Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. <laughs> Tommy, Ocean Chinook or Puget Sound Coho, what is your palate favorite? And you drop yeah. that kokanee on top of that barn door halibut's head, 67 feet of water, and he was not happy about that. Well, I don't know. What do you think? Boxers or briefs? Ooh, I'm going to have to go with a European cut speedo. Fantastic. Excellent choice. I yeah. love tuna. I do love tuna. Heck yeah! <laughs> hey, you know, I have a buddy who refers to Canadian geese as flying carp. Obviously, he's not cooking them. <laughs> he clearly, right? Oh, ocean snook. Seriously? Hands down. Really? Hands down. I don't fish for coho. Ah, good point. Hey, speaking of grind, can you tell the difference between ground deer and ground elk? Honestly, taste the difference. You know, Dwayne, we only get one chance to live this life. Mm-hmm. And you will always regret the things that you don't do. So you know what I tell people? Buy the damn boat. Hey, you know, the facts are some days are just a grind. Welcome to Fish Hunt Northwest, the number one fishing and hunting talk show throughout the Pacific Northwest and beyond. Now here's your host, Dwayne England, and of course, the infamous Tommy Donlan. Hello, and welcome to Fish Hunt Northwest. Dwayne England, Tommy Donlan. Here we are, buddy, back in studio for yes, yet another indeedy. week, huh? Heck yeah. How about this uh, lovely weather we got out there? You know what? My my mind is just focused elsewhere in warmer climates, so I'm <laughs> yes. just I'm ignoring what's happening. Right yeah, now. I know you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess the takeaway here is it's not snowing. No, it yeah, was right. this morning, by the way. <laughs> was it really? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm out here at Summit Lake. Uh, that's where we're coming to you live. It is Thursday, yeah. 6 p.m. Uh, live from the shores of Summit Lake, and yes, it was snowing this morning. So I want to welcome everybody to the show. Uh, Tommy, as per usual, we got a ton of items to get through. Great show lined up for tonight. Uh, really good guests that we'll get to here in a minute. But um, before we get too far along, I want to invite everybody, uh, thank everybody for joining us on Root Sports. If it's your first time, do us a favor, jump on over to our social media platform and our webpage, www.fishhuntnw.com. Got a little addition on the webpage there, Tommy. You'll see uh, below the FHN20 coupon, which uh, gets you 20% off edge rods all the time. You can now also click on the Fish Hunt NW10, which is uh, teamed up with Phelps Game Calls. Jason Phelps has been a friend for quite a number of years. Phelps Game Calls, we're going to leave that there for the entire year. You get 10% off all items over at Phelps uh, online shopping. Uh, whatever you choose, 10% off all the time, according to Dirk. And I'm going to try to leverage them a little bit, say, hey, let's, can we, you know, take a certain time of the year and bump that up a little bit, really mm-hmm. entice our mm-hmm. people to jump on that. But, uh, Anyhow, so you got a couple options there, 20% off rods, 10% off all Phelps items on the webpage. So take some time and check it out. Um, yeah, this weather, you know, it crushed my weekend plans. I know, that's what you were saying. Yeah, supposed yeah. to be heading to the Grand Ronde tomorrow. Matt was joining me to run camera. Herzog was going to join in. We we're going to go whack some steelhead over there. But that river, yeah. talking to Lewis last night, looking at the uh, river forecast, mm-hmm. going straight up basically after tomorrow. By the time we'd yeah. be over there fishing, it will be twice the volume as it is tomorrow morning. Yeah, yeah, that's unfortunate. You know, you could cut the distance to half, though, and go to CQ, go west instead of east and we, fish blackmouth. We could. We yeah. could. There's uh, there's a couple days of opportunity I guess we could take advantage of. Saturday looks okay. Saturday looks all right. Sunday might start blowing a little more. Yeah, it depends on your tolerance. You yeah. know, it's just, it's that drive, it's the commitment, it's the one fish limit. 
Yeah. But of course, bottom fish opens. That's right. You can run west. And go so you can go fish, out there so. and get some bottom fish. Yeah. So we do have some options, but uh, it did kill my initial plans for the weekend, which is kind of a, kind of a bummer. Was really looking forward to getting back over there. Prime yeah. conditions right now. Right. They're doing fantastic, and they're getting a decent amount of fish. But mm-hmm. uh, maybe in a couple of weeks, we'll see. Going to be a lot of options coming up. Got to pick and choose. Springers on the forefront. I mean, it oh, is springer it's, season. It's going to get hot and heavy here before you. Got to, got It's like, uh, you know, Herzog used to always say, uh, uh, "Frozen with indecision." Yeah. Because there's too many options yeah, on the table. For sure. Right? So anyway, uh, hey, let's do this. Let's run down the show with what we got going on tonight. Uh, first and foremost, guest to the show. No stranger, we've had him on before. Jason Phelps, Phelps Game Calls. It's turkey season, Tommy, or soon to be. Uh, do you use a locator call? What the heck is it? Jason's going to get you uh, all dialed up on that. Then we'll stick him around here for a second a second segment. We're going to uh, get into the diaphragm calls, talking to turkeys in the call progression. You know, when is too much too much? When is just enough and what's right? So we'll uh, break that down with Jason. Nobody better to uh, enlighten us with that uh, information than Jason Phelps. Then we, of course, uh, Bottom Fish and Halibut open soon. We want to get you a little teaser. We got a little video here, Tommy, you and I out there on the water a couple years ago with Jordan. Mm -hmm. 82-pound halibut, 67 feet of water, do I dare say. We're going to take a little look at that just to kind of prime the pump and get you going for the upcoming halibut and bottom fish season. Then we'll take some time to talk to Brian Lynn. You guys remember Brian Lynn, Vice President, Marketing and Communications at Sportsman's Alliance. Well, they are filing a lawsuit against Fish and Wildlife uh, Commission, but more so directly at Lorna Smith. Brian has all the details. Can't wait to talk about this one. Um, And then, of course, we got you, my friend, before you get out here for a couple weeks, back in the bait lab, Bottom Fish. Mm. Open Saturday the 11th, right? You're yes. going to break it down, let folks know what they need to do to find success. And then, of course, we'll close out the show with uh, lots of insightful information, some things going on, opportunities to take advantage of. So, uh, other than that, any, uh, any reports out of CQ, speaking of which? Yeah, yeah, I did. I gave him a call. Um, you know, luckily, this time, Brandon was actually working okay. instead of just managing. You know, Got it's him always on there good for to a see yep. Brandon at, yep. at, at uh, Olson's there in CQ. And uh, so I talked with Haley, you know, she's kind of been in touch with, you know, fish and game and, yeah, and, and yeah. who's checking. And, are and people catching fish? People are catching fish. We're going to get into a people full report later on in the show. I just wanted to tease you all out there yeah. for a little bit how CQ is doing. All right, don't go anywhere. We're going to jump out for a quick break. We come back. Jason Phelps, the man, going to be on the phone. We're going to talk locator call, Tommy. It's almost turkey season. Time to get Phelps on the phone. We'll be back in a couple minutes right here Fish on Northwest. Defiance Marine is the one-stop shop for the Pacific Northwest Angler. Defiance Marine guarantees the best price on a new and best service on a repower for your current boat. Defiance Marine is a Honda Premier dealership and one of the largest on the West Coast. Defiance Marine is a boat dealer who proudly sells Defiance, Allied, and Arima boats. All boats are built by West Coast fishermen for West Coast fishermen. Defiance Marine has all your boating needs to help you get out on the water. If you're looking for the best fishing rods in the world, you really do need to take a look at the edge rods. I designed and built new machinery, and I think this new machinery has enabled us to build blanks like no other company can build without this equipment. There is no other rods in the world that are as good as these rods. You owe it to yourself to take a good look at them. 
All right, welcome back here in studio to Win England, Tommy Donlan. So, Thomas, tell me, are you planning to uh, do any spring turkey hunting, or are you too busy fishing? I think I'm going to be pretty busy fishing, but yeah. if the right opportunity comes up, I might just do it. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm hoping to hit the woods again. Uh, I've been talking with Buddy Eric Broughton over there on the east side. Might set something mm -hmm. up, you know, and try to try to actually capture a hunt or two on film so we can bring it to everybody. But before we get there, got to prepare for the season, man. That's right. So can't think of anybody better to tie in first and foremost here. Jason Phelps, Phelps Game Calls, joining us this evening. How you doing, buddy? Good, good. Thanks for having me, Eric. Absolutely. So, hey... As we, uh, as we walk our way into turkey season here, we got the youth hunt starting April 1st. General season opens up mid-April, typically on the 15th. And then we're off and running. But, uh, you know, before we can, before we can uh, use calls and draw them in and, and uh, go after them, man, we got to locate them. So give us a little insight, especially for beginners, into the turkey hunting on what we can use to help locate and what that's really all about when you're trying to locate birds. Yeah, there, there's still a lot of debate on why turkeys answer location calls specifically. Um, and, and I like to look at location calls as three different categories. We kind of got our unnatural sound. You know, I had a conversation with a guy today. Why do I need to buy this new fandangled Phelps owl call when I can slam my door, when I can honk right. my horn? Yeah, albeit it will get a turkey to elicit a gobble because there's so much built up tension. But I'm all about doing things in a natural way. Like we we can get them to gobble, but they're on alert now. They they just heard something. They're not a well, well some people call them a dumb bird. They're not completely dumb. Right. Um, it just it just puts their their senses. So we've got the unnatural sounds. We've got locating with turkey sounds. You know, we've heard everybody say we go out there with a a long box. Um, you know, we locate from ridge to ridge, and or we we yelp loud or we cut. Yeah, it works. But once again. Locating that way takes that element of surprise kind of out of my back pocket. And I want to hold that card as long as I can. And that kind of brings us to what I would consider what most people call is your locator calls. Everything besides your unnatural slamming the door, honking the horn, and then your non-turkey sounds. So with turkeys out there strutting their stuff, um, you know, they're competing amongst themselves for, for the rights to breed these uh, hens out there. We, we, we turn to natural predators, natural sounds that will get these things to sound off and give us their location. And it, it may be really cliche, Dwayne, but uh, you, know, you can't kill a turkey without knowing where they're at. And sure. so our number one goal out there is to get these things to answer so then we can play the game. Right. Um, and, and, and within that, we've got some strategies and, and timing. We want to we wanna be natural. We want to fit in. You know, we don't want to be blowing a, a, a peacock call you know, before dark, we, you know, if that's the case, we want to blow on our alcohol. And then mm -hmm. once daylight hits, we will slowly switch, at least in Eastern Washington and the areas I've hunted in Kansas and, and uh, places we'll switch to like our crow and our, um, our uh, woodpecker call in the middle of the day. And then coyote call works great for uh, roosting at night, but I also don't like the coyote call throughout the day because that once again, if we're thinking like a bird, right. we've now, just, we've now just put a, a predator on the ground. So I, I try to keep it real natural, try to keep my timing natural. And then we're just trying to get the loudest location call out there we can. We want to rock the woods with it. We want every turkey to hear it. And we're just trying to get that response. So then we can move in um, and, and go to our turkey calls. All right, Jason. So step one is accomplished. You've got this turkey, this big Tom located, right? And, and so the next thing is you want to open up that dialogue, right? You want to start communicating with that Tom. And, you know, I think the, one of the things that really draws hunters to turkey hunting, right, is the similarity and comparison to, to calling that big bull in, right? And I know yep. you and Dirk, you guys do a lot of that, right? And so 
You know, one of the things that I've learned over the years is that, you know, if you've got a bull and you've got a big meadow between you and that bull, you're not going to be able to call them across that open meadow, right? And so talk to us a little bit about for turkeys, how does that, how does that compare? Do you hear them rapport and then you try to close the distance? Do you sit in place? What's the game plan? Yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll get back to the meadow, but I'm going to kind of lay it out a little bit. Uh, so in my opinion, and, and a lot of people out west, for some reason, love to, to, to hate on the similarities. You're just exchanging senses. A turkey can see better than an elk and they can't smell. An elk can smell, but they can't see as good. But other than that, a lot of the game is played exactly the same. Um, you know, and, and no pun intended, uh, you know, my podcast is cutting the distance, but there's two ways to cut the distance between you and an animal. You can either move your own feet and close that distance, or you can use a call to cut the distance. And I'm a big, even though I'm a diehard caller, I know that my success is exponentially increased if I do some of the walking or I do some of that, you know, I close that gap on my end. Um, so very similar to elk, um, aside from turkeys, I'm thinking more about my cover and how I'm going to approach so I don't get seen. So then with, with elk, I'm trying to figure out how they don't, you know, how they don't smell me as I approach. Mm -hmm. So that's really the big differentiator. And similar to elk, I don't like to call turkeys across the big wide open area. I'd rather shoot them when they get to the edges, uh, you know, or, or be set up on them. So very similar to elk, we're looking for terrain breaks. We don't want to be on a, a continuous plane for too long. You want that element of surprise. You want a turkey to have to pop its head up. You want a turkey to, um, you know, have to get through a patch of brush so he can see out the other side or, um, you want to set up on the edge of edge of the brush so when they're in with you know within shotgun range or bow range or whatever weapon um, you're able to take advantage of that opportunity so very similar to elk we're, we're, we're playing with different senses that are elevated but um, yeah very similar we we cut the distance and then we'll set up and start doing our calling sequence um, from, from there okay Jason we are going to uh, get a little deeper into this we're going to jump out for a quick break we come back we're going to have you waylay on that uh, that hoot call or that crow and then we're going to transition, get right into some diaphragm sequences that we can use to hopefully be successful in early season. So don't go anywhere. We're going to jump out for a quick break. We come back. More Jason Phelps right here, Fish on Northwest. Allied, the new leader in heavy gauge aluminum boats. Allied boats have standard reverse chine and lifting rakes to help you plane faster and run at lower RPMs. Allied boats have several models to choose from, ranging from a 19-foot Mustang all the way up to a 32-foot Liberator. So regardless of what type of heavy-gauge aluminum boats you are looking for, Allied Boats will have it for you. Contact Allied Boats today to learn more about these incredible fishing machines. All right, welcome back here in Studio Fish on Northwest. We've got Jason Phelps, Phelps Game Calls on the phone. And Jason, right before the break, we were talking a little bit about locating turkeys here early season. You uh, expressed, uh, you know, utilization of natural sounds, crow call, hoot owl. Kind of waylay on a couple of those calls. Give us an idea what those sound like before we start really talking about diaphragm uh, calls and talking with turkeys. Yeah, so the, the cadence for an owl call is the who kooks for you, who kooks for you all. So this is our new Harrison uh, hooter. Um, so that's kind of our, our you know, early morning call, our late late call before they go to the roost. And then on a crow, we just do a feed call. So it's like one blast followed up by three quick um, crow notes. Um, we're just trying to elicit that, that gobble out of them with harsh, sharp sounds. 
So if they respond to that, you're, I mean, you're looking for Tom to gobble and react to that uh, initial call like that, not necessarily just start talking to him, but to really, as we're expressing here, locate and get on your feet and start heading that direction, kind of pinpoint exactly kind of or where they are, generally where they are. Yep, and, and the, the nice thing about using a call that's natural to that area, a lot of times I can curl call, get other crows in the area going, and then I can be quiet and approach why that right. that bird may continue to gobble. So that's another reason why you want to use what makes sense for that area. Got it. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. So once you got them located and you're going to start talking to that um, specific Tom, are you putting more effort into sounding like hens or toms and, you know, kind of, kind of break that down? And I, I know with bulls, right, it just depends on, are you trying to sound like the harem or have they already collected that harem and you're trying to, you know, influence them? Yeah. So we use, I would say we're progressive. Um, we use a progressive calling style in both elk and turkeys. We kind of start low, kind of, we paid attention throughout the day, what the turkeys are doing and then we'll amp it up as the bird gets more amped up. The biggest differentiator between the way I call elk and turkeys is elk. I, I will incorporate a lot more bull sounds where on, on turkeys, I'm 99% using hens, uh, you know, hen sounds, uh, the clucks, purrs, cuts, and our, our standard yelps. And, you know, to be honest, yelps probably 90% of the times with some, you know, real, real finesse calls thrown in with it. Give us, uh, give us a few examples, Jason, uh, the difference between uh, a cluck and a, a cut and uh, a yelp of a, a hen. And then we want to talk a little bit about how you use those in conjunction with some decoys. So give us a few examples of those calls that you were yeah. talking about. Okay, so we'll start cluck. We'll go into cutting. Yelping. Um, so those are kind of between those three calls is what we're going to use 95% of the time. You know, if we have a pot call, we'll purr a little bit. Um, you know, I, I may gobble trying to get one to locate, but that's, that's 90% of what I'm going to do on a diaphragm while we're out there hunting. Nice. Uh, so when it comes to decoys, are you putting decoys out using those hen calls? Do you torching off a loud, yeah. obnoxious call? How do you, how do you kind of work that into the program? It's just more of your risk versus reward, and I want to. I only want to set a decoy up when the visual is is good enough. Um, if we're in tight timber, we're in brushy areas. I'm going to omit the decoy. If we're out on a field edge or we're on an you know an open road where that bird might be able to pick up something from 80 to 100 yards away, we'll we'll go out there and slip the decoy in there. Um, I've tried to risk it a lot, and if, if the risk is too high, I just won't put a decoy out. If I think I'm going to get seen or the bird we're working, um, it's just really hard to call a bird in to think something's up, so I'll, I'll um, hold back from putting that decoy out. Gotcha. Well, we never have enough time to get through all the content with you. There's far too much to talk about, but we do uh, always appreciate you jumping on with us, and uh, we're going to get Dirk on next week. We're going to kind of break down slate calls and box calls, really try to help folks get bit, uh, ready for this season. So I know you guys are busy. Really appreciate you taking time to join us here at Fish Hunt Northwest for a couple of weeks. Much appreciated. Yep, thanks for having me. All right, have, have a good, good one. Buddy. Yep, goodbye. All right, Jason Phelps, Phelps Game Calls, www.phelpsgamecalls.com. So uh, check them out. And, of course, uh, get to our webpage. Click on the coupon. You're going to save 10% on everything that Phelps is kicking out there and selling. All right, don't go anywhere. We're going to jump out for a quick break. We come back. A little treat for you guys. Tommy, 82-pound halibut, 67 feet of water. Caught on a kokanee. That's right. Yeah, something we pulled off a couple of years ago. You're going to enjoy this. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after that short video right here in the studio, Fish on Northwest. Sportco, an outdoor emporium, is the largest local outfitter in the Northwest since 1975. 
providing thousands of people affordable outdoor gear. This summer, make your next outdoor adventure more affordable by shopping at our warehouse-style pricing. We are a local Scotty dealer, offering sales, service, and repair. Located in Fife and Seattle, come visit us today. The outdoors awaits you. Well, there you go. A little stroll down memory lane, buddy. All right, let's do it again. Ah, uh, that should get you fired up to get out and get some of those hallowed, especially in shallow water. It, it can happen. Yeah. It oh, they're, they're in there. Oh, man. Yeah, they are. You get some of them that are uh, well willing to feed, and you put some good bait down, like a kogany yeah. or a trout or something, you might find yourself uh, tied into one of those bad boys. Mm-hmm. All right, that's going to do it for us. First half of the show here on Root Sports. I uh, hope you enjoyed that. Much more content to come up second half of the show if you're tuned in live this evening. Stick around. More coming up right after this break, second half of the show, right here, Fish on Northwest. Allied the new leader in heavy gauge aluminum boats. Allied boats have standard reverse chine and lifting rakes to help you plane faster and run at lower RPMs. Allied boats have several models to choose from, ranging from a 19-foot Mustang all the way up to a 32-foot Liberator. So regardless of what type of heavy gauge aluminum boats you are looking for, Allied boats will have it for you. Contact Allied boats today to learn more about these incredible fishing machines. All right, welcome back to the show here, Dwayne England, Tommy Donlin, and uh, yeah, I just can't get that halibut out of my head. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of fun. We're going to do it again. We are going to do it multiple times this year, that's right. my friend. Yeah, that's I, right. you know, I can't wait to go out here and harvest just some bait. That's right. You know, that's what I do. I know, I know. That's part of what you do, but I, I hope you're hitting the gym too. Oh, okay. I'm all over it. All right, not a problem. Good. Not going to be Good. a problem for this old man. All right, we are uh, switching gears here, uh, Tommy. As you well know, you and I talk about this a lot. Some of these issues. Fish and Wildlife Commission here in Washington State is a bit of a challenge as of late, like in the last couple of years. The uh, appointments and recent appointments by our governor has uh, put us in kind of a conundrum. Seven of the last nine, seven of the current nine commissioners right. have been appointed by our current governor. Mm-hmm. And um, there's there's definitely some patterns emerging. Yeah, And we're talking with folks who are trying to put some pressure on inappropriate places and reasons for on this Fish and Wildlife Commission to start, you know, hopefully promoting change. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't want to call it a loophole by any means, but uh, uh, Sportsman's Alliance and our good buddy Brian Lynn, Vice President of Marketing Communications, has been here with us on the show before. And uh, welcome him back to the show uh, this evening because Sportsman's Alliance is actually filing a lawsuit against Lorna Smith, one of our current commissioners. Isn't that right, Brian? How are you doing tonight, buddy? Yes, sir. Good to be back, Dwayne. Thanks for having us on. Absolutely. So I kind of alluded to it. Sportsman's Alliance uh, has filed a lawsuit, is filing a lawsuit, not against the Fish and Wildlife Commission, but more so directly at one of our more well-known and becoming very popular commissioners, uh, Lorna Smith. Let's talk a little bit about what that really encompasses or how is it you guys can go directly after a single commissioner on the Fish and Wildlife Commission? Right. So uh, we're not going after the commission yet. Um, We're going after Lorna personally. She's in violation of uh, RCW 77.04.040 that says uh, you cannot hold two appointed positions uh, if to be on the game commission. And she's long been a member of the Jefferson County Planning Commission committee. And so uh, so that's uh, just a pretty clear cut violation. I mean, that's... uh, there's all sorts of conflicts of interest that could take place. And that's why that law is in place. And so we're going after her personally right now about that. If, uh, 
you know, they if the legislature meant to, that it was any voluntary, you know, prohibition was to be written in there that that was okay, they would have said that, but, but they didn't. Sure, it's pretty unclear in black and white that she's violating the law. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Brian. And so, you know, Lorna Smith, and and at this point, I'm going to say it's not even she's not even putting up red flags anymore. This is just no. just a blatant attack right. on hunting and uh, conservation as well. And so she's gone on record to state that the North American model of wildlife conversation, which con, con, uh, excuse me, conservation, which is the model that most Western states use, right, is, is flawed and it needs to be revisited, right? Like everything that we've done for 100 years plus is now no longer applies, doesn't make sense, right? And now she's getting into some verbiage where she's actually, you know, mentioned the management of coyotes and I, you know, I don't know if it was a faux pas. I think, I think, you know, at one point when she first released her plan, it said protect coyotes, and then it was caught, and, sent, and then she said manage coyotes. But mm -hmm. I think we can see what's really going on there. And then she also wants things like protection for snow geese, bird watchers, right? And we already have, you know, a, a huge influx, too, too many um, snow geese, right, in in place already. And so now she's poised to slide into this. Um, into the chair position for the Wildlife Committee. Um, what are your thoughts on this, and what are you most concerned about? Uh, where, where, where do you start with this? Yeah. I mean, we have unelected, unconfirmed political appointees that are making major policy decisions on the future of wildlife management in Washington. They have zero oversight, zero accountability. None of them are confirmed and never have been confirmed by the Senate. Mm -hmm. there, was, uh, there was a couple this today that they pulled up, and there's a couple that they scheduled to pull up, but we're getting pretty late in the session. I don't know if our pressure will help uh, bring them to the Senate floor for a full vote or not, but we'll see. But at anyways, that's the most basic, you know, fundamental flaw here that is going on that we, the people and our representatives have not had the chance to question these people and vote on them. And they're just getting to run amok. And Lorna is the wildlife for all model that, uh, is going on right now. I think we talked about that last time we I was did. here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so, I mean, they're just running roughshod over over Washington citizens. You know, you, whether you agree with her or not, the foundation of democracy has checks and balances in it. And right now, our Wildlife Commission has no checks, no balance. It's going one way and one way only. And there's right now, there's nothing we can do about it except turn to the courts. It's our last resort as sportsmen, as citizens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would think that uh, ongoing litigation and going after specific commissioners when legally uh, we have the opportunity to do so, much like uh, groups also going after the governor for his, uh, his ways of going about conducting business in uh, selection of these, uh, these uh, current commissioners sitting on the commission. Um, you're right, there is no checks and balances. When I met with Senator Vandeweghe, he made it perfectly clear that the Senate's committee has not confirmed any of our commissioners since 2017. Uh, I asked him what the repercussions of that would be, as in, well, what's the removal process? He kind of laughed and said there is no removal process unless uh, the committee was uh, to come together and find that they're not performing their jobs as uh, brought on the commission to do so. And I thought that was kind of hypocritical simply because Obviously, they're not performing the, uh, the, the jobs and the tasks of the commission, even by their, uh, their mission statement. They just forego all of that. So 
Do you think it's just a blatant slap in the face to all of us and that they don't really care what's happening, who's bringing pressure against them, what's being said, how much is being pushed out there on social media? They're just going to stick to their agenda because there's nothing anybody can, it seems, there's nothing anybody can really do about it. Yeah, that, that's how they're operating right now. You know, they're, they're again, there is no accountability. They can do whatever they want. So the courts are the only ways to go. So they are pushing this extreme, you know, different, modern, whatever you want to call it, wildlife management that is completely unproven, has no funding mechanism. And, you know, that's just the very minor, you know, most obvious transgressions by this commission. There's all sorts of improprieties as far as how they're going about making policy, giving notice to the public, communications that are taking place. There is all sorts of things. And as you said, one of them is not holding up the mandate and 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 doing their job. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at everything right now. This is just the first lawsuit we will see here in Washington. No, that's that's good. That's a good segue because, mm-hmm. you know, I got to say it, it's a full time job tracking what the seven well some of the commissioners i'll say five of them right uh especially lorna smith tracking what they're doing that is actually above board per the mission statement according to the rules Mm -hmm. and 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 what's not and i would say the majority of the time they're operating outside of the rules right outside of their uh, memorandum and what their purpose is and i mean you know when i think about it it's just it's like just a couple weeks ago we were talking about lorna smith and she's you know openly uh, confess to uh, bartering goods, right? I'm going to barter fish and and game, right? And in exchange for goods, and it's like that, you know, that's illegal, right? Yeah. And so there's been been all these instances where, um, you know, you can look at rules, you can look at mission statement, but they're they're operating outside of both. Um, is there what are what are the plans? You know, you talked about maybe potentially additional lawsuits or other efforts. What's out there? What's ahead uh, in terms of looking at this Fish and Wildlife Commission? Yeah, uh, I can't get into too many specifics, but we are looking at everything and going to use every tool we can. And at this point, that's pretty much the courts. I mean, that's what we've been left with in the, with this within Washington is, you know, the Senate isn't doing their job and isn't calling them to the floor for the vote where our representatives can give them the up or down. And so we have to go to the courts. It's the only thing that's left. And that's why we have these three branches of government. Right. And so, we're uh, looking at all of it. We're reviewing all of the uh, commission meetings from the past couple of years and where they've made transgressions and have acted illegally. We will be filing suit. Fantastic. Cool. I mean, it takes uh, active organizations such as Sportsmen's Alliance that have the ability and the personnel to decipher and get into, like you just stated, some of the past meetings, past practices, their agenda, expose them for truly what they stand for. So, None of this comes without cost, Brian. There is cost to you guys uh, filing litigation. Mm-hmm. There's cost for Sportsman's Alliance to continue to function and, and fight for the good of all and try to get us back to the level of you know where we need to be for wildlife conservation and obviously hunting opportunity and, and, and fish conservation. But um, talk a little bit about uh, Sportsman's Alliance. Joining up as a member, contributing monies to Sportsman's Alliance, how that money goes forward and allows you guys to do exactly what it is you are doing and do the good work for the people. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, uh, I love my job and we all uh, fight uh, every day for this. I mean, we're passionate about it and we're in all 50 states working. And 
you know, passion gets you so far, but at the end of the day, uh, money is what pays the lobbyists and the lawyers to get things done. And, you know, when, when it comes to lawsuits, the, the wheels of justice turn very slowly and the slower they go, the more expensive it is. Um, so to get this back on track, uh, since we've gone off the rails so far in Washington, there's going to have to be several lawsuits and paying lawyers. And so anybody that wants to donate or join up at different membership levels, pretty easy. Just go on to sportsmen, sportsmen's alliance.org mm -hmm. and join as an individual member right there yeah you got some options i was perusing the page once again last night i had previously re-upped my membership i try to throw at least 100 bucks to you guys a year uh, i like the options that you have 35 dollars and 50 or 60 bucks 100 bucks seems pretty reasonable especially with inflation rate and everything else going on most of us should be able to drum up 100 bucks especially for what you guys are actively pursuing and what you are doing to, uh, to take this to legal action and try to make a difference. So I, I don't think people truly understand at times what we're up against here, Brian. I, I think I heard a statistic at one point, uh, Wildlife for All, you know, national uh, movement out in New Mexico, they're up well over a million members supporting this stuff. All the persons donating money to Humane Society, their backdoor agenda is simply a lot of this. Matter of fact, a lot of the board members for Wildlife for All came as from former employees on the Humane Society. So this is all interwoven, interwebbed. Mm -hmm. uh, the money is unbelievable. And on the number of states, as you would allude to, that they are truly going after at this point. Washington is in the in the scope for many, but it's happening across the nation, is it not? Yeah, th this is totally a coordinated attack. Uh, wildlife for All is all propped up from the Humane Society of the United States, Center for Wildlife uh, Diversity. There is uh, a whole bunch of different big money organizations behind it. They're all singing the same tune, mm -hmm. coordinating the attacks. Uh, we saw it last, last spring, Washington, California, Colorado, and Arizona were all hit simultaneously at different levels of government. Wow. Washington right now is just the crown jewel that you have the governor and the commissioner and the uh, legislators all on the same page doing the same thing, no accountability. So they're running as hard as they can. Believe it or not, they've out California, California. I mean, that's hard to do, right? <laughs> yeah, that's hard to do, especially with yeah. uh, their current governor. Yeah. Yeah. That's a California lawsuit also. So, uh, you know, we're, we're fighting to keep the crazy in California, keep it from spreading up here and then spreading out to the rest of the country. So right. any, any support is appreciated. And uh, we'll keep fighting to protect hunting, fishing, and trapping nationwide. And since I'm here in Spokane, especially over here. boy, Give us Amen. one more time where people can go to sign up and hopefully contribute some funds towards uh, Sportsmen's Alliance. Sportsmen's, M-E, and yes. sportsmensalliance.org. Got it. All right, buddy. Always a pleasure. Wealth of knowledge. We enjoy having you on to get us up to date. And as you know, you and I will be on the phone often, staying up to date and Pull you back in when we got more news to share. Appreciate your time. You betcha. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks, have Brian. a good night. Brian Lynn, Vice President of Marketing and Communication, Sportsman's Alliance. Uh, they're just they're just going after it, Tommy. I yeah. mean, we need groups and organized groups like them. Absolutely. Well funded and able to go con conquer this stuff, but they can't do it on their own. Right. And we need to put our money where our mouth is at times. You just gotta yeah. step up. I'm yep. telling you, we are the minority in the fight. Absolutely. Right? Yep. 3% of us in Washington state hunt, mm -hmm. okay? The, the commission has gone on record to say, well, we just don't pay attention to the hunters and fishers. We also have to be, you know, fair equity for the six, six 
6.5 million that do not actively right. participate in right. fishing and hunting. Right. So that should tell you right there where their mind is at. Right. All right, buddy, we're going to jump out for a quick break. We come back. You are in the spotlight back in the bait lab. We're talking bottom fish. It's going to be a good one, man. Uh, we I got an opener it. coming up yeah. Saturday. Yep. On the I'm 11th, excited. bottom fish officially opens. It'll be open all the way on through October. This is the start of it, and you yeah. are going to get people dialed in to find some sex. success. Success. <laughs> yes, indeed. All right, jump out for a quick break. Don't go anywhere. Tommy will be in the bait lab. We come back right here, Fish on Northwest. All Defiance boats are built without any structural wood materials. That is why all boats are backed with a lifetime warranty. All Defiance boats come standard with large fish boxes that are fully insulated so that you can ice your fish properly all day. All Defiance boats are foam flotation filled and unsinkable for the ultimate in safety while fishing offshore. Before you buy any boat, stop by or call Defiance boats today to ensure you are getting the very best glass boat your money can buy. Hey, welcome back to Fish on Northwest. We are in the Bait Lab, brought to you by Sportco. I'm Tommy Donlin, and tonight we're going to talk about bottom fishing rigs. Okay, now a lot of times, right, we got bottom fishing on the coast opening up this weekend, areas one through four, right? We've got link cod and we've got sea bass. Okay, that's what's open, right? That's really what we're targeting. Now, the first thing is regulations have changed this year, so don't forget to look and really understand which rockfish you can retain and which ones you can't, right? For the first few months, we cannot retain quillback, we can't retain copperhead, we can't retain vermilion, right? So really, you wanna focus in those species that really populate quickly, they have kind of that, that earlier sexual maturity rate, which is gonna be like your black rockfish, your blue rockfish, your yellowtail rockfish, okay? Those are gonna be your primary targets. You got more than that, but really those are gonna be the bulk of what you catch and what you're looking for. And um, we're gonna get into the rigs, but one of the first things that I really wanna mention is that with rockfish, most of the time, I'm not going to stop the boat unless I see them on my Raymarine sonar, right? I'm going to make sure that I've got a full view of a giant school of rockfish. And, and honestly, with the technology that we have these days with Chirp, I run a Chirp 470 module. With that kind of capability and the sonar that I run, I can tell the size of those rockfish and whether they're yellowtail rockfish or black rockfish, right? A lot of times, in, especially inshore, those yellowtail rockfish, those are gonna be your juveniles, right? And then when you go offshore, that's when you're really gonna find some of the larger schools of rockfish, those yellowtail rockfish, we call them brown bombers, right? And so just think about that. If you're really trying to load up on rockfish, maybe you've already got your link cod for the day, you don't really wanna stop unless you're seeing them on the sonar and then set up your drift drift through them and you're just gonna hammer them, okay? So that's that's really like the first and foremost thing. The other thing that I'm gonna tell you is about the weather, right? So it's, it's no joke, right? We are still in spring, very much spring, right? Early spring, I'll say. And uh, the weather most of the time is not conducive to running 30, 40 miles offshore. But hey, that's okay, right? When you've got places like Westport, um, La Push and Nia Bay, you've got spots that in some cases, especially out of Nia Bay, less than a mile, right, from the dock, you can be catching your limit of sea bass, rockfish, and link cod, okay? That's no joke. So there's a lot of places to go that are protected and kind of out of the way and where you don't have to run very far from port. So I want you to keep that in mind. And a lot of times, you're not gonna be able to run offshore, right? Um, and so this, Tonight's presentation is really set up around that inshore tactic, okay? So when I say inshore, what do I mean, right? I'm talking opportunity that's really 120 feet of water or less, okay? 
Um, and there's, you know, that's, that's honestly, that's gonna cover a lot of species, a lot of opportunity in that zone. And, and you don't have to run far. So just kind of just kind of have that mindset, right? And so since we are fishing shallow, like a lot of the presentations you're gonna see tonight, they're gonna be they're gonna be less than six ounces for the most part, right? We're not fishing deep. This is what I consider a lot of fun fishing. And um, you know, I've got a kid's trip set up that's gonna be at the end of April out of Nia Bay. We're gonna go a mile from the dock and we're gonna get kids on fish, right? And they're gonna be using a lot of the gear that I'm gonna show you. So let's go to the board and I wanna kind of introduce you to the first one. So what I've got here is, is a pretty simple double rig, and I, I honestly love it. The first thing that you're looking at is a big hammer swim bait. This is a five inch sardine color. Love big hammer swim baits because of the size of their tails. You can kind of see them. I've got, I got them all over the board here in different sizes, but you've got this big tail on the back of these, okay? And they just put out one hell of an action underwater. Um, you know, I like to run a variety of colors and you can see this one's just, this one's been chewed up. I'm gonna tell you that, uh, we're gonna get into the rigging of these. I'm gonna tell you a little secret, but I like to run the different colors, right? Cause you never know what your light condition is gonna be, kind of what your water clarity is gonna be. And so you're gonna see me kind of run a variety of colors here. Um, so going back to the, to the main rig here, right? I've got a uh, swim bait on the bottom. Now I'm using about a two and a half ounce lead head sometimes a three ounce right depending on the current or the depth if i'm approaching 100 feet kind of I, I cheat it to that upper side right i may i may go something to like this this jig head here this is a bad donkey jig head here right three and a half ounce something a little bit heavier so you do want to taper that to the depth of water you're fishing but i'll say for two and a half ounces that's going to do you pretty good for everything up to about 75 feet maybe even 80 feet of water Okay, now the next thing you're gonna notice here, and I'm gonna go up here for a second so you can see this, but what I've done is I've come up the line and I've tied a surgeon's loop. Okay, that's that's all this is, right? So I've got about, there you go, you're gonna call that about, oh, it's about two and a half, three feet, okay? Come up and all this knot is, and I'll put it on the table maybe so you can see a little bit closer, but you've got a surgeon's knot right here. That's it, that's all it is. You can tie a dropper loop or you can tie the surgeon's knot. Surgeon's knot is about 10 times faster and easier to tie and gets the job done. And then you've got your shrimp fly, okay? They absolutely love shrimp flies. I'm always gonna run a double rig, okay? Never more, you're allowed two hooks. So just kind of keep that in mind. But I'm gonna run a double rig pretty much always. Now, the thing to keep in mind too is that, you know, with these, these loop knots that you're tying kind of midline, you are gonna get a reduction. You're gonna get a slight reduction in the strength of the line. So I'm, even though maybe fishing for something like a 20 pound link cod, or, you know, hopefully like a four pound sea bass, right? At most, four pound, five pound, right? Um, I'm going 40 pound maxima, okay? Um, this one's the marine green. I love the ultra green. And then, you know, as we all know, a lot of the maxima line strengths are, they're well under underrated, right? So 40, probably breaks at about 60. So kind of keep that in mind, but I love how easy it is to tie with knots. Um, and you do want something that can stand up to the teeth of a link cod, right? That you're gonna catch in shore. So something to keep in mind, I do go a little bit heavier. One of the, one of the small nuances that I wanna show you tonight, and this is something that I use quite a bit with tuna fishing, but I've tied a San Diego jam knot onto the top of this jig head on this swim bait, but you're gonna notice that I have not tightened the knot so i still have a loop there and what that allows is when this swim bait is is being jigged up and down in the water column 
it has more freedom to swim down and up and look more naturally. Now, I tell you it's more of a tuna thing because I rig it this way and as soon as you get bit, it tightens that cinch knot down, right? That jam knot down. So really a tuna thing, but you can do it for sea bass as well. But again, it's gonna be that first bite and then it's gonna cinch its way down. If you want that action the whole time, you can just tie a perfection loop here, okay? And that perfection loop is a solid tie knot. It's gonna keep the loop in the line and it's gonna give you that action the whole time through. Okay, um, so that's the main thing there. So that's a double rig, always using the double rig. The next thing that I wanna to introduce to you is the Mighty Pipe Jig, right? But this is the toned down version, right? What are we used to seeing? We're used to seeing that, that two to three pound honk of lead with the 12 odd treble hook, right? So this is the kind of the toned down version. Um, I make all of these myself. We'll go to the board so you can kind of see the, the parts and components here. Um, but you're looking at, you know, smaller diameter tube. This is less, less than a half inch. And it's, it's the same construction, right? You've got a cotter pin that goes through the middle of the jig. You've got a barrel swivel, you've got a split ring, and then you've got a hook, right? And this hook I would say is about seven odd. When you build your, when you build your pipe jigs, one thing to keep in mind is you don't want the hook to be able to go below the bottom of the jig and you don't want it to be able to go above the top of the jig, okay? You don't want the hook to come up and grab the line, and you don't want the hook to get stuck on the bottom or the bottom of your pipe jig. So that's how you kind of want to space this hook so it can kind of swing top to bottom. And a lot of times, you know, the reason that we fish pipe is because, you know, maybe they're just not interested in that, that natural looking swimming bait, but now you're going down there and you're just annoying them, right? You're ringing the bell, you're ringing the, you're knocking the door on their house, and they feel like they've got to attack it. So pipe jigs work just as well inshore as they do offshore. All right. One of the other things I'll mention is, and, and we always look for this opportunity offshore, or I mean inshore, is that, you know, you get a, a, a crab spawn that happens and sometimes you will find like an acre of black sea bass or blue sea bass and they're just boiling on the surface of the water, okay? And it's an awesome event. You can catch them on the fly, but how we like to do it is you can take a one ounce jig. I'll throw it on the table so you can see it better. You can see this one's been chewed up quite a bit. Uh, one ounce jig head and, you know, really light line. You can use a trout rod. Um, this is when you really want to get the kids involved. And, um, you know, in terms of, you know, what kind of grubs to use, they just love these white grubs with the pink tail just drives them crazy. It's a lot of fun. You're sight casting to fish, um, just a blast. So you, you do want to have like a variety of different weighted jig heads. Okay. Now when I've kind of, I've had right my bass fill and maybe we're close to our limit on bass, I'm going to go over and I'm going to switch to kind of link cod, right? I'm going to really start focusing on, you know, pounding the bottom and hitting those different areas. So you got some different options there. We like to up the size and profile of our baits here. And we love scampi tails, different colors. And, um, you know, so we're going to go with something with more like a four to six ounce jig head. Uh, and, you know, everything from, you know, motor oil, uh, root beer, and, and kind of this, you know, these different darker colors, right? Because, you know, a lot of times, what do, what do lingcod eat, right? They're eating, they're eating rockfish or they're eating kelp greenling, you know? They're kind of, they're kind of eating that, that bait that has that kind of darker brownish hue to it. And so we try to match that as much as we can. Now, the other thing I will say is you can never go wrong with uh, a mooching rig and harbor herring, okay? Very simple way to fish. If you have kids, there probably is no simpler way to fish because they don't have to work the rod at all. All you have to do is hook a herring on, whole herring, and uh, you can use a helmet. 
slight spin and you can just put it in the rod holder and as, you, as the boat comes up comes down um you're going to get bit right and then you're going to be on and it's it's just very it's a very simple way to fish you're going to have a short leader i would say about three feet above that a sliding sinker four to five ounces works great you're going to send it out there and as you drift it's going to naturally work in the current unless you do have somebody to hold the rod but a great option for kids they absolutely love it easy to do all right the last thing i want to show you before we get out the door here is you can have a lot of fun with you know how you rig um, doing different rigs you know you could do a jig on the bottom and then you could do a b2 squid up top right and so a lot of times instead of the shrimp fly right we can go shrimp fly up top on the double rig or we can pick a variety of colors of the smaller uh, mini b2 squids it all works um, the fish all love it and then don't forget scent right we're using the Posky's fire gel herring tuna shrimp absolutely love the krill scent right that's always good um all right hey don't go anywhere we're going to be right back in here in studio fish hunt northwest a northwest favorite for almost 40 years arima boats are manufactured with pride in bremerton washington all arima boats are built without any structural wood materials that is why arima boats are backed with a lifetime warranty Arima can offer every boat with Honda outboard packages so that you can take advantage of the reliability and five-year top-to-prop warranty from your Honda outboard. Call or stop by Arima Boats today and let them help you get into your very next boat. All right, welcome back here in studio as we close out the show. Nicely done once again, buddy. Hey, thanks, sir. Yeah, very in-depth. A lot of fun, man. Very in-depth, very deep on the old bottom fish. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, let's stick with some ocean content. How about, uh, what are you hearing out there at CQ? How's the uh, how's the blackmouth fishing actually been going? Yeah, so I gave him a call today, and, um, you know, like I said earlier, Brandon was Brandon was working, which it's, it's nice to see him work once in a while. It's like a Sasquatch sighting. That's right. That's Not right. Too often. Yeah, it is. So I, I told, uh, I was talking to Haley. I told her to take some pictures so that we have documentation right. of it. But uh, got a chance to talk with her a little bit, and she's been talking with the fish checkers quite a bit. And, you know, obviously she sees a lot of fish come up and down the dock. Yep. Um, CQ's been hammered by a lot of weather. Yes, right? it has. So the conditions have yeah. been, you know, I would say pretty, pretty rough to get out, mm -hmm. but it is very much your traditional blackmouth situation. If you find the bait, you find the fish. Yep. The fish, we haven't seen a lot of that larger size, mm -hmm. you know, that, that we will see up at CQ. Um, it's still really early, but there are fish being caught. And, um, you know, most of the time they're running either uh, anchovies in a helmet mm -hmm. or they're running spoons, right? Yeah. And kind of keeping that downrigger ball right on the bottom. Yeah. Some things don't really change. Right. That, that's kind of one of them. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of the, the feelers I got out there. Same report. Weather's been a factor. Yeah. Days that you're getting out. And, again, we're only keeping one fish this year. That's right. Um, now, bottom fish does open up on Saturday. Saturday. So, now, yep. at least you can get out there, get some bottom fish, get your one that's Chinook, right. and uh, make it a pretty pretty good day. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you yeah. do have to run into Area 4, right, to Correct. get to, to go bottom fishing. Yep. So, something just to kind of keep in mind. Got to, got to read those regs and make yeah. sure you have in possession on your boat what you are allowed to have in possession on your boat. That's right. Uh, and That's don't right. mix your water. So, um, and, you know, I'm kind of with you. I kind of look for the weather to turn the corner. We get that whole month of April. Yep. And hopefully you get conducive weather and the fishing can be, you know, sunshine, T-shirts, mm -hmm. and can start cranking out pretty good out there. So, um, by the way, also, if you're not aware, March 31st, Tommy, is a significant date for a couple of reasons. One. That's right. 
The end of the month uh, is your last opportunity to put in for your multi-season tags. That's right. Took care of that quite yeah. a while ago. So got all my multi-season, got my multi-season elk, multi-season deer. And if you're not up to speed on what the advantages to that are, later on, uh, as we progress down the road here, you and I will once again break that down mm -hmm. as to why you need to uh, take opportunity of that because it really does open up a significant amount yeah. of opportunity if you yeah. land one of those tags. That's right, yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, it gives you, I, you counted the days at one point in time uh -huh. for the deer tag. Yeah. It's like, it's over 100 days of hunting. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. well more than a third of your year. Yeah. You can pursue uh, deer, all species here in the state of Washington, both east and west side. Yep. You know, and if, you, if you're stacking points and can finally get to that second deer, Mm -hmm. or you can get that antlerless, you know, second deer, whatever that combination comes out to be. Yeah. You're literally, with a multi-season tag, too, you can you can find yourself... Yeah, I would say the second deer is really not that hard to get, you know. I have yet to get it. I think I have six many, points. Well, <laughs> well, it depends on where you're putting in, too. It's true. But, I mean... Yeah, um, yeah. But I know in a lot of the eastern units, it's it's not extremely difficult to get. That is so true. That is maybe true. you just have really bad luck. I probably know? do. Yeah. And you like should, in most things in life. You should check the average wah, draw points. Wah. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so, end of March, uh, you have until March 31st to put in for your multi-season tags is uh, one uh, calendar event. The other is, starting April 1st, you have to have acquired your new fishing license. New fishing license. That's right. And that is for all fishing licenses, uh, retention cards, shelf, whatever it is you're going to purchase. Yeah. You know, you and I both do the fish Washington. We just get the gamut all at once because you yeah. do actually save some money. Yeah. If you're planning to fish freshwater, saltwater, go crabbing, shrimping, clamming, the whole deal. Well, and yeah, not just like Fish Washington, but what's the um, the total outdoor package? I forget. The outdoor package. The yeah. outdoor package, yeah. is that what they call it, right? Yeah. So that's 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 all your hunting, too. That is everything. Two turkey tags yep. and, and the whole nine yards. So yep. I like to do that one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, AU uh, Unit 420. Yeah. There you go, Riley. I should uh, probably look into that. Um, what else we got going on before we get out of here? Uh, oh, in case you weren't aware. March 1st officially was recognized as, hey, springer season. <laughs> you could go out and fish for them right. prior to that. But it's like, oh, March 1st, hey, it's time to go up to springers. It will run consecutively up until the closure date on that is April 7th. Now, mm -hmm. as the water warms a couple degrees, there's already a few getting caught. Yeah. Water's cold. Weather sucks. Yeah. You know? Um, so, but I tell you, man, you get into that last week of March and fishing full into that first week of April. That's the prime time. That is yeah. some prime time. We got some great dates uh, signed up with a few of our buddies, and I'm going to be running the boat down there multiple days, especially in that last two-week yeah. window. Um, I got a trip to the east side planned with uh, Richie Herod and Bobby Loomis. Yeah, and, that's going to be exciting. And Max Boys, right? Yeah. Get out there, do the planning yeah. boards out there on Rufus, Roosevelt, whatever. Uh, then get back over here, and it's day after day, except when we're here doing the show, of getting after Springers because... Not only are we, you know, north of 315,000, apparently. Yeah, the numbers are good. Okay, but we get to go to the 7th, and then after we get some dam counts and some updated run forecasts, hopefully they reopen, and it's uh, well before we have to wait until we get into summer Chinook. Hopefully right. we get that right. that bump in May or, you know, yeah. end of April, early May, that we can get back after them springers. Yeah, I, I feel like we also have to mention, you know, in addition to the springer opportunity, we have to we have to mention the missed opportunity of Area 10, mm -hmm. Blackmouth, right? We do. That is, that is not going to reopen, not going to reopen like it did last year. You and I said that last week. Yeah. We were just waiting. They did not really officially come out with the announcement until today. Right. You know, that actually hit the wire today. A lot of people are just getting word of that and aren't too happy. You and I were on that discussion last week going, it's not opening. Right. It is not going to reopen for a winter opportunity. It's not going to open until summer opportunity sometime in July. 
even that is up in the air depending on mm -hmm. what comes out of North of Falcon, mm -hmm. right? So speaking of North of Falcon, lots of numbers being thrown around. I got to tell you, I'm pretty excited on some of those. I'm very excited. We got a lot of coho opportunity. Yeah. We have uh, we have a significant bump of Hatchery Chinook in Puget Sound waters. Yeah. Which yep. is kind of a nice glimmer of hope. In contrast, we're down on our Chinook numbers out here on the coast, the south coast and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But our Chinook numbers, hatchery Chinook numbers in the Puget, in Puget Sound are up. Yep. Coho numbers are up. Um, hatchery coho numbers out here on the coast, Grays Harbor region, significantly up from last year. Mm -hmm. That's one of the huge contributors. You and I went over numbers last week. But that is one of the big contributors going into this fall will be the hatchery coho in this uh, this region out here. Yeah. Um, and, of course, it's a humpy year. It is a humpy year. So, I forgot about yeah, that. So yeah, so to get the kids out, 4 million, yeah. just shy of 4 million humpies coming back to Puget Sound. Um, yeah, that's a pretty good number. That yeah. is that is a pretty good number. We're yeah, And, and hump, um, you know, it's interesting. On. The Squally River right here in the backyard is yeah. going to outperform the Puyallup and the Green. And Oh, really? Yeah, the numbers okay. are coming in significantly okay. higher for the South Sound referencing humpies than, say, Central Sound. So that's mm -hmm. kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. um, there's going to be a lot of opportunity. i tell you what, I'm waiting to get a... Uh, a message back, but Mark Uwasa is going to join us in the next week or two. He's going to give us a rundown of all the uh, all the highlights, some of the things we're concerned about, some of the conservation efforts and where we're still failing. But really what we're going to expound on is the amount of opportunity going into this summer and fall Chinook fishery and, and coho Beautiful. fishery or salmon fishery. So we do have some uh, glimmers of hope. We do have some things to look forward to. It's going to be a great year to get the kids out. Mm -hmm. I really think it is. Yeah. And by the grace of God, if we don't have to deal with extremely low water conditions rolling right. into early fall, right. that's going to shut down a number of our coastal rivers again. Mm -hmm. If we can just not do that and have the numbers coming back that we have, it's going to be a pretty amazing season. So, mm -hmm. yes, um, indeed. Also, you still have time to get in. Go to uh, go to WDFW's website and look up your hunter safety courses. If you have a youth that you are trying to get out into the turkey woods by April 1st, you still have time over the next several weeks to get them registered, either an online course to complete with mm -hmm. a parent or a, or a supervisor and or take them to an actual facility because they are back to in-person training. Yeah, and, and I would say, don't think that this is something that you're gonna sign up like on a Tuesday morning and then Tuesday night you go and do a two hour thing and it's over, no. right? This is about an eight hour course, yep. right? It's it's a real deal now. Yep. Um, and they, uh, you know, from from what I've seen of the, of the coursework, it's a lot more detailed than it used to be. It absolutely okay? it is. Used to be used to be just firearm safety. Mm -hmm. You know, you carry a stick around that mm -hmm. had a red tip. You know, yep. that, marking the the muzzle right. Yep. And now they get into animal identification. I think yep. it's really good. And so, but with that said, you do have to plan accordingly. Don't wait. Yes. Yeah, and again, you still have time to get in before the April 1 opener. And if you don't squeeze in before April 1st, you, there's nothing to say you can't take a youth turkey hunting all through turkey season. It's just the opener for the first two weeks right. is youth only, which right. really is advantageous to getting your youth, your child, your grandchild, whatever, yep. uh, into successfully harvesting a bird. And uh, who doesn't want to get kids out there shooting those four tens? Exactly. I know yep. I do. Yep. And um, someday we'll get Jordan out there too. Yeah. As soon as he one, completes his hunter safety. <laughs> one of these days. Uh, Michael Fry, yes, Kids Derby again this year. Absolutely. More information coming on that in the next few weeks. We're starting to get businesses signing up. This is going to be huge, Tommy. May 20th. Everybody write that down, and we'll talk about it more as the weeks progress. May 20th here at Summit Lake at the Community Center is, once again, it's the third annual Fish Hunt Northwest Summit Lake Community Kids Fishing Derby, 14 and under. 
WDFW has stepped up this year. I believe we're going to be successful. All indications are. We're going to have a trout pond here at the facility for kids five and under. Oh, beautiful. Because we get single parents showing up. They have small children. They want to fish. There's limited bank access. A lot of people yeah. are out in boats. Hey, bring your, your toddler, bring your, uh, your, your small human five years of age and under, and they can fish the trout pond and have a whole separate prize awards category for them. Six to 14 will fish the lake. Uh, we're also very involved with veterans this year. Mission Outdoors, uh, uh, Ryan Elwell, President and CEO of Mission Outdoors, who we have teamed up with on a number of occasions have, now. Yep. They have stepped up. They're bringing the wagon, man. Ryan's going to be out there <laughs> cooking all the food. All the food is free. Breakfast, lunch, providing all the utensils, plates, the whole gamut, Tommy. That's amazing. All the food is free for everybody who attends. We're anticipating a couple hundred kids this year. That's great. And we're going to get tons of prizes and things to award. The kids are going to have a blast. There's going to be tons of fish to catch. We'll make sure WDFW stocks the lake handily. Yeah. And uh, it's going to be a good opportunity. And can I can I have the leftover trout for bait? Oh, is absolutely. That a, is that an option? <laughs> okay. Just yeah, I, I think we'll do fun in the bait, uh, the bait front. I, awesome. think, I don't, don't I like think that'll it. be an issue. So, I like it. Uh, yes, Michael Fry. And so we will be uh, extending a handout to get some volunteers to come assist us here as well, because the only way we pull this off successfully is to have a handful of folks who enjoy looking at smiling kids all day and just uh, watching them be successful yeah. in their opportunities. So uh, looking forward to that. Lots of good things to look forward to, my friend. Um, plenty of things to choose from, and we will be involved in a lot of it. So, all right, any mm -hmm. final words? You know, elk season is not that far away. <laughs> you yeah. got to get in shape now. Yes. Everybody needs to go to the gym. Get your butt in the gym. Work out mm -hmm. every day. Get that cardio level up. That's and right. That cardio strength. Be yeah. ready. Mm -hmm. Yep, I'll be there. All right, that's going to do it for us. Appreciate everybody staying on here as we ran a little bit over tonight. But, uh, you know, when uh, we get talking. I know stuff you just, happens. You just can't shut it down. Magic. So, all right, you guys are uh, you guys are great. Yep, Kyle, uh, we'll let you know more dates and more uh, things that we need in reference to that kids derby, and more importantly, mm -hmm. um, you know what? If you got kids, just plan on bringing them out here and enjoying the day. Not of all all of us need to work. That's what we do, so you guys can enjoy. All right, that'll do it for us this week here in the studio. Uh, we'll be back next Thursday. I'll be back next Thursday, mm -hmm. uh, and Jordan will be here. Uh, to bring you another show, 6 p.m. Don't be late. Lots of good content to cover as we progress through the season. And uh, thanks again. We'll see you next week. Have a great weekend. Go do something. Be successful. Hey, thanks for joining us here on the Fish on Northwest weekly podcast. I want to remind everyone that you can catch our weekly live stream show on our Facebook page and, of course, our YouTube channel every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. West Coast time. You'll get our insightful in-studio interviews, our extremely detailed how-to segments in the bait lab, the infield segments we bring to you when we're on the water or in the woods, and of course, our amazing cooking recipes in the kitchen with co-host Sherry England and chef Jeff Maxfield. Give us a follow on our Facebook page at Fish Hunt Northwest. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fish Hunt NW. Find us on Twitter and Instagram, and finally, Go to our webpage at www.fishhuntnw.com for all the latest and greatest info. Join us each week here on our podcast. Join us each week at our live production. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.